here we go. The latest edition of the Motor Millennials podcast. Zach Rothenberger, Anthony Lucci here. How are we doing today, Anthony? Good, Zach. I mean, here we are again on our next episode. It's always a fun time here on Motor Millennials. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling great. You know, we have uh, we have a great topic lined up uh, for today's episode. Uh, we're talking about our most the people we feel are the most influential to us when it comes to motorsports in particular. Um, I think our general sense of people who have, inf- have influenced us, we would say, is probably you know our fathers or family members who were with us since we were little kids and you know turning wrenches with us and teaching us all that that fun stuff and being in the garage with them growing up. But specifically for this episode. We're going to focus in on some, you know, high profile, whether it's a, a drag racer, a NASCAR racer, or um, Formula One driver, anyone in the motorsports world. So before we get into that, though, let's just recap quickly some of our previous episodes uh, and recent episodes that we've had in case anyone listening has um, has has missed them or, or wants to listen to them again. So our last episode was about the GMC Hummer EV, the first ever electric GMC Hummer. And uh, Lucci, what would you say if I told you that the GMC electric Hummer could compete with a Bugatti Veyron? I'd say it's a hell of a a lot cheaper for the same speed. (laughs) But in the end, at least you can put something in the back of the Hummer. You know, it's not like, uh, I guess the nice thing is you got fitted luggage with the Bugatti though, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess the way I look at it is, is with the Hummer, you can always, you can pick up a crate engine and throw it in the back and take it to your garage. Hey, right? there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and prior to the, uh, the Hummer episode, we had an episode about understanding your car's true identity where, you know, um, Anthony and I dive into the, the certain codes you should look for when you're looking at a car, whether you're about to buy, it, you want to make sure it's for real, or if you just want to learn more about your car and, uh, just, just have more information, yep. as much information as you can. Um, that was a fun episode. For That's sure. a very helpful episode. I mean, so anyone who's uh, wants to learn more about their the vehicle in their garage, or you're looking to buy a car off of uh, one of the mar- many marketplaces out there, we have an episode on that as well from a little bit back. Um, you know, do make sure you do your research, and you know, we're definitely here to help you if you have any questions. But through that process. Yeah, exactly. And you know how to reach us uh, on our social media channels. So give those a follow and be sure to check those out. Um, and our previous episode prior to that, before we dive into this week's episode is we were talking about preparing your car for the winter months, which unfortunately is more applicable now than, than ever. Um, you know, and I know firsthand I tucked away my Camaro for the winter um, in order to get the Nova out of the trailer and start working on that for next year's racing season um so i guess that's really my unfortunately that's my only car update was uh we got the nova out we're ready to work on it so stay tuned for more on that um lucy what's your car update for this week yeah um yeah my i i got a small (laughs) update too zach uh the only thing i did this week was i uh went down to the hardware store picked up four uh small stainless steel screws (laughs) for uh the hood grills on my ws6 trans am um, so he said this car was not a show car perfect by any means. When I got it, it was missing the hood grills and the hardware, of course, when, when's that not the case? Um, but yeah, so got them, um, they're stainless steel. So I'm going to paint them black so they, you know, they don't, um, stick out like a sore thumb, but 
you know, something small, but, you know, keeping the project moving forward, you know, that, that, that's the name of the game, I guess. Yeah, that, that's what it's all about. And, you know, little details like that are what really makes makes the car, you know, and it's going to look, it's going to exactly. look fantastic. It's going to look fantastic when it's done. And I know I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to go for a ride in it too, you know, and unfortunately, <laughs> it's almost wintertime here. Very but, but yeah, no, that, that's, that's great. And, uh, it's cool. So we're both making progress there, but, uh, let's just, let's dive into today's episode with the, our most influential faces, we'll call it in the motorsports world, uh, whether it be in our life or just in general, the public. So, so Luigi, what do you say? You want to kick us off where we're each taking two just to put in perspective for the listeners and, you know, there's going to be some people we missed for sure. And if you feel strongly, Give us a shout out on social media. Let us know who you think was influential in your life. We'd love to hear your story. So, Lucci. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think there's so many great um, icons out there and and people that, you know, can influence you in one way or another, Um, especially in the motorsports world. I mean, there's – I guess we have such a great, you know – legacy and you know uh time period you know to pull from from when this motor motor motorsports first got started all the way up until today but i'm going to start out with uh the one and the only john force i mean i don't think it's hard to, to deny um the passion that he has and i think that's so contagious um i mean you know when you go to a race and you see little kids that are carrying around those plastic dragsters and they have his shirt on and stuff like that. I mean, that's when you really know that someone has a huge impact on your, on, you know, not only your life, but a lot of others as well. So, I mean, he has 151 wins in his career, 16 time NHRA uh, world champion, um, you know, 20, 20 championships overall. And, I mean, he he's really built an empire out of nothing. Like he came from literally nothing. <laughs> and I know he used to like test his race car, like on the street he lived on. And I think the one time he actually crashed into uh railroad tracks um, at the end of his uh, street. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, but like, that's like, kind of like you think about when you're building a, your first car and it's like, yeah, I just want to take it out on the road and drive it and, you know, just tear up the road. I mean, like, that's like, that's what he did practically. Right. So, you know, it's kind of really starting from nothing and building an empire. Not now, obviously not everyone's going to be able to do that and not everyone wants to do that, but just how like positive he always is. And he's so ambitious. I think that really is contagious, especially when you're a drag racer. And, and I think the other important thing that I always looked up to John force was he always brought his family into the sport too. So many people drag race, you know, or, or race or do whatever they do, um, what, any kind of sport to get away from their family. But look at him, like he, his wife is always at the race. Um, he, his daughters have raced and it's just, he really made it into a family event. And I think, you know, some people like want that. Like I know that I like bringing people to the drag strip and getting them, you know, to sh- share the passion and hoping they, you know, get bit by the bug, so to say as well. Um, and John force has definitely, you know, I've done that, um, in his family as well. And, you know, included all of them. So that's going to be my, my number one. 
Yeah, and, and John Force, I mean, just think about it. He literally has been the face of the NHRA for for an extremely long time. And with all due respect to, you know, the Colettas, the Schumacher, Don Prudhomme, and all, all those guys, Warren Johnson, um, Bob Glidden, um, you know, he's literally been the face of the NHRA and kind of the spokesperson, if you will. And for the same reasons yep. that you said is why it was so hard for me not to pick him in my top two, <laughs> you know, um, funny story really quick is when, when he won his 113th uh, race win national dragster on the cover said lucky 113 as the, the slogan, you know, the headline. And my birthday is January 13th, 113. So, oh, there you go. <laughs> so I, I, I cut that out and put it in my helmet for racing as like a little good luck charm. So, uh, just to speak to how influential he was for me as well. And, you know, and my dad was, is a huge, That's so fan. cool. yeah. So he's just been monumental to the sport of drag racing and nothing but great things to say about, about that man and his family. Um, and, and it's great. You bring up the point about family too, is because I feel like in motorsports family is a common theme with a lot of these, these guys and gals, you know, which is great, which, yeah. which is what really yeah. makes the sport that, you know, what it is. Exactly. Um, yeah. What would your uh, what would one person you would say? Exactly. Yes, this is a man. John Force is such a tough act to follow. So out of my two, I'm going to start here. Erica Enders. Erica Enders. Oh, that's a great pick. Yeah, especially you know it's funny. So I started junior drag racing in 2004 when I was 12. Okay, and the movie Right on Track with Erica Enders and her story was a Disney Channel movie. I'm sure a lot of listeners have watched it. Anthony, <laughs> have you seen it, Anthony? Yeah. 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 Probably the best Disney movie ever made with no bias, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but it's funny. So, you know, of course I knew about junior drag racing prior to that movie, but after, you know, watching it as a family with my mom, my dad and my sisters who my sisters also raced in juniors as well. Um, and they'll be racing this year too. Fun fact. But seeing that really was kind of like, it was just influential because it kind of showed, Oh wow, this sport is so fun. You the family involved. Like, this is so cool. Really cool. Like you kind of see it's, it's, it's exaggerated of course, but it was definitely influential for me as far as the fact of kind of, you know, putting us over the edge of saying, all right, yeah, let's do it. This looks really fun. This, this could be great. So there was really a direct impact to me and other, in other, you know, influential ways with, with Eric. So, so, so Zach, you're saying you guys didn't, you didn't, you weren't into junior dragsters until you saw that so or we, were you just getting started? We had, we didn't have, a, have one yet. We didn't have a junior dragster really? yet. We, we didn't fully commit yet, but we had been talking about it. And then this movie came out and we watched it. And then that was kind of like the icing on the cake. And then from there we went and got, got now was that, was that you and your sisters kind of begging your parents to get to one or, or was it, or did they kind of, see that too and they're like it would they i mean i'm sure your parents of course i know them and they're great people they wanted you guys to be you know start the sport but did did you guys really what what did the movie really push you guys over the edge or what did it kind of help your parents more so i think it put, it put all of us over the edge to be quite honest with you it, yeah we, yeah we, we all knew about it like like i said before my dad raced for many years and uh you know seeing this this movie was a great way for basically everyone to go to the track together and be competitive and do something as a team as a family and spend spend a lot of time together so it was a combination of everything really 
So yeah, I don't know if That's you ever knew that. Story. Yeah, I yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was definitely influential for me. And just some other notes on Erica, you know, she also, she didn't break the barrier for women in the sport, but she played a huge role in it for sure. She's the first ever woman to win a uh, pro stock championship, which she has won four, by the way, if uh, you include this year. So she's, yeah. she's a phenomenal racer, phenomenal person. I, you know, like this great sport of drag racing with the NHRA as a young kid, I got her autograph in the, uh, the pits, got a picture with her and everything. So um, she's just a great person, extremely influential to, you know, the, the young ladies who race and, and fellow racers like myself who got started partially because of her. So extremely influential. Yeah, and I think me. she's so she, like, she's so personable to like, I, I know like um, actually when we were out at, we uh, were out at Indy this year um, for the U S nationals and she won the event there. And, um, it's just so cool. Like she drives, most racers bring their cars, they get them towed back to the pits after, um, like in those classes, right. Um, after they go to the winter circle, but like her and her sister hop in and they drive it back to the pits. And then, um, she's always like, I drove that bitch back. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You don't ever so hear like, that. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's just always, always like, you know, it's a little bit of fun, you know, it's, she's, you know, it's just like some people, they kind of just win and then they get, you know, you don't hear from them, but you can see she really loves the sport. And I guess that's, you know, it's gotta be in you as the, as we, as we all know, if you're going to be in drag racing, you got to really love it. Yeah. No, that that's right. That's exactly right. Um, so what, what's your, what's your other influential face in motorsports? Uh, yeah, I would say now kind of changing gears or, or changing racetracks, let's say <laughs> <laughs> from a drag strip to a uh, formula one, I would, I'm going to go with Michael Schumacher. Um, so I guess when I was very little, you know, I always, I watched a lot of formula one, um, I didn't, you know, I'm talking very young. I didn't know too much about cars back then. I just know they went really fast. And, um, of course at that time, you know, we're talking early two thousands, um, late nineties, early two thousands, he, um, drove for Ferrari, of course. And, um, you know, was really kind of, I guess when he came on with the brand Ferrari in 1996, they were pretty unreliable. And then, kind of that started changing obviously he um was just unbeatable almost so um i think when one of the other things is you know with with him is he always seemed just like so approachable in interviews and very you know just very personable again and then um you know uh, so many people in the industry have so much respect for him so and that always speaks you know greatly of a person when a lot of people in the industry respect them, then there's a reason behind that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you just kind of, kind of, you know, one of, you know, one of the things was when I was a kid, just wanted to race a car, didn't know how, or and I was probably 10 years away from driving, but, um, wanted to be behind the wheel of a car and, you know, seeing him go around the track in a formula one Ferrari kind of caught my eye. Yeah, no, that, that's very cool. And, that, and that's unique too, because I myself, I'm not familiar with Formula One racing at all. So that's a, it's a cool story. And uh, now that, that 
That's great. I never knew that about Ferraris back in the nineties, how apparently they were unreliable. I find that hard to believe, but Hey. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my, like one of my dream cars is like a 550 Maranello, which is from the late nineties. And I believe, I don't know if he, don't quote me on this, but I don't know if he had, uh, helped like worked with Ferrari in developing some of those cars. I mean, I know like the F 50 engine, was a formula one engine and that was in the like i guess 95 96 like around that time period um and of course he was you know the the main driver for ferrari back then so um i always loved the ferraris from back then i know they're known for catching on fire and stuff but they're beautiful cars and um yeah so i guess maybe that's probably part of it too it's like okay i see the race car and then you see the the cars that ferrari sells even though they're still unobtainable in, in some regards um, but you know, it's, you kind of can see your vision, you, you know, see yourself driving that car one day. And I think that's kind of, it's always that, that vision that you have ahead. Um, and he actually got started racing go-karts, which kind of, I just learned that recently and it kind of makes sense. Well, go-karts formula one, they're kind of similar. So, um, you know, again, kind of just like Erica Ender starting out small and then ending up being a world champion. Yeah, no, exactly. That's extremely um, influential and inspiring, especially when, like you said, you see someone blatantly, you start at the go-karts, like the literally the most entry-level part in the world. And then you see exactly. Eric Andrews, for example, starting junior dragsters, a very entry-level, you know, young start, grow up and, and hit that, you know, that um, that maximum goal that, you all, that we all shoot out for and dream. You know, it's just great to see that. And the fact that they're even better people is what makes it even even sweeter. Exactly. And, and Zach, I mean, I think we talked about this in another episode local about like muscle cars. Like you don't have to have the greatest thing in your garage. You can even build something. I mean, you can build a go-kart in your garage, like, you know, very basically, or you can get one for pretty cheap and fix it up. So, I mean, if you really want to get into the sport and, you know, um, and money is, you know, an issue or you don't have a lot of expendable income to do that, you can still have fun. And I mean, like a lot of these drivers that we or we are discussing, they didn't come from anything. You know, they started from the bottom and they, they built their, you know, they kind of paved their own way. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, a testament to, to, um, hard work. And if you want it bad enough, you're going to go out and do it right. And do it the right way. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. And Who, who's someone else? Zach? Yeah. So my next person <clears throat> for me is, uh, is absolutely my number one over anyone in the motorsport world. I don't care. There is no argument. We're going with the intimidator. <laughs> We're going with the intimidator, Dale Earnhardt, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, growing up, you know, I watched NASCAR every weekend with, with my dad. And, and that was like the thing we always pull for, for Dale Earnhardt, you know, easily, I don't care. This is not negotiable. The best, the best NASCAR driver of all time. Okay. Best yeah, of all time. <clears throat> 78 career wins over a 22 year career. He started in 1979 and, you know, obviously rest in peace. He, you know, passed away in the accident at Daytona um, in February of 2001. I remember that day, like it was yep. yesterday. I remember exactly where I was. I remember who I was with. I remember watching it on ESPN. Um, not a good day. Not a good day. Um, 
I, guess I actually remember that too. <laughs> yeah, it. I think a lot of people do. You know, when you lose, you want to hear a quick funny story? Yeah, let's hear. <laughs> so my dad had a. We still have it somewhere. You know, like one of those model car kits that you build and you put the de- you put the water decals on the car. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Of his car, right? And and the night that happened, um. You know, my brother and I were pretty young and we were fighting over who would get that, <laughs> you know, because one of us, we, and, and like it sat in our basement for years and my brother, which at the time was much bigger than I was, picked me up <laughs> and threw me through a table. <laughs> Body slam. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, you can have, you can have the model car. <laughs> But it still sits there to this day. One day we'll someone will uh, put it together. So yeah, you'll have to arm wrestle but, for it this time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. It was just a pivotal moment that we all remember exactly where we were, what what happened, what table yep. we got thrown through. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, and he I mean he's a seven time Winston Cup champion, which ties him for the most of all time with Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson, two great racers in their own right. Um, but the thing for me with, with Dale Earnhardt was just his presence and his personality. Um, I know I mentioned this on a previous episode, but he got the nickname, the intimidator from in the beginning of every NASCAR race, you know, they check your vitals, your blood pressure and make sure that everything's good and you're healthy to race and things like that. And there's reports that whenever Dale would walk in the room, all the, all the other drivers, their blood pressure would instantly, you know, go up because he would walk in the room and everyone knew they were in the presence of greatness. He was such a great driver. He was so stoic, just so even keeled, you know, almost emotionless, if you will. And it just struck instant chills and, and fear to these other racers. Veins. I did not know that's where that name came from. Yeah. That's where the name came from. Exactly. And wow, uh, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. And yeah, it's such a, it's such a cool story behind how he got such a powerful nickname and just some other things with him is, you know, just because he won all those races and he had all the sponsorships and the endorsements and, you know, of course, you know, winnings and the money and and things like that. He still had, he still lived on a ranch and worked on his ranch like a normal person, normal blue collar guy. He, he didn't let anything get to his head. He just loved racing. He was a very old school you know, rubbing his racing type of guy and was just so cool. And so, you know, just puts a lot into perspective hearing his story and, and seeing how he was. Uh, but you could tell by the way Dale Jr. is today, you know, there's a great, great family, great group of racers and people that's for sure. So, you know, and I always try to practice like his demeanor when I would race and still to this day, you try to keep even keel, you know, don't, you know, you have a poker face and just, uh, very influential for me and to everyone who right. turned a wrench in their life. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's my number one of all time. And, you know, I think we, there's definitely other people that could have been on our, in our top rankings for sure. You know, for example, Bill Grumpy Jenkins, uh, he's definitely someone, you know, Connie Coletta could be one, obviously uh, yeah. Don, Don Perdome. And there's a lot of other Tony Stewart is another one, you know, Richard Petty, but that's what we got. And, you know, we'd love to hear what, uh, what everyone else is on social media and, and definitely let us know your takes as well. But before we get to that, 
Lucci. I know and I think that brings us to our next motor and moment. That's right. What we got. All right. So the motor and moment of the week. Um, it was just, we were thinking about this because it's starting to get cooler outside. Uh, on certain nights, of course, um, you know, we could still get a few warm spikes, but um, a lot of us keep our um, paint cans in the garage outside, most likely. And if it's not a heated garage, um, you got to keep in mind that that paint inside of the can gets cold as well. So if you're going to go paint something now, what I usually do is I bring the park downstairs this is, and make sure it's ventilated downstairs and, and don't tell your, you know, your, your wife, girlfriend, your mom, whoever that you're doing this, cause they might complain about the smell. But I'll usually, if it's a small part, I'll spray it downstairs where it's, where it's warm. Um, but the tip is to bring the paint can inside and let the paint warm up. So even if it's say the temperature is going to get warm during the day, it, that paint might still be cold so make sure you bring it inside your house like the night before the day and let the paint get warm because your adhesion is going to be a lot better to the part um so that is our motor moment of the week yeah that, that's a great that's a great motor moment luci because i can't tell you the amount of times i've used a cold spray can and i go to to spray something and it just pff, spits gobs yeah. out and it ruins it so something that definitely gets over, never fun definitely gets overlooked it's a great point so that being said, unfortunately, I think it's time that we, we wrap up the latest episode. Um, like I said, please, please reach out. Let us know who your influential uh, faces, people, and, and folks are in the motorsports world and in your automotive journey. And also, if you don't mind, give us a follow on, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Motor Millennials. Give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to, to your podcasts, and leave us a review if you'd like. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in, and keep on uh, keep on motor, and stay tuned for more motor moments. Did it.